0: Welcome to this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. Is having strong people skills important for leadership in engineering? You bet it is. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and in this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, and as part of celebrating Women's History Month, I'll be talking with Rain Gardner, licensed professional engineer and a team leader at MSA Professional Services. The theme for this year's Women History Month is Women Who Tell Stories. And in this episode, Rain will tell her story and share her insights and experiences on the importance of people skills in engineering leadership, work-life balance, career pathing, and professional growth. Towards the end, she will also provide some great tips and strategies for maintaining a growth mindset and improving one's leadership skills. Now, before we get started, this is a free show and our sponsors help us keep it free so I'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the FE FENPE exams. PPI's reputation and history sets them apart. PPI has helped engineers achieve their licensing goals since 1975. Their courses and review materials are based on decades of experience. They schedule their courses over two to three months to ensure that you can properly retain information and allow enough time for homework. They ensure students don't have to cram for their exam. Their courses come with everything you need. They offer robust programs with access to lectures, forums, learning hub, books, slides, and more. Their programs place a big emphasis on homework. They believe that practicing as much as possible is crucial to exam success. PPI's instructors are very highly rated on student surveys. They're extremely attentive and knowledgeable. Check out PPI today at PPI, the number two, PASS.com to see all the options available for FE and PE exam prep. Again, that's PPI, the number two, PASS.com. Let's jump into today's episode. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right. Now I'd like to welcome my guest onto the podcast today. Rain Gardner is a licensed professional engineer and a team leader at MSA. Rain, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Happy to have you. Excited to talk with you today. So to get us started off, Rain, tell us a little bit about what you do at MSA on a kind of a day-to-day basis, your role there.
1: I'm a team leader, so I lead kind of a multidisciplinary team of professionals. Um, we focus on projects all over from public works, land development, waterfronts, parks and recreation. I also have some buildings inspectors, zoning administrators. So I kind of got quite a group of different professionals working together on a lot of projects for a lot of different communities that we do work for. And um, that keeps us moving through the whole process day to day. Didn't really think I'd be at that point when I started my career when I was hoping to only focus on like roads and transportation. <laughs> right. I do a little of everything now, which is it keeps it exciting.
0: How big is your team? Or is that, I guess it's variable, but.
1: So currently I have 11 staff on my team. It's a lot to manage some days and growing.
0: (laughs) And we'll dive into that a little bit today as we go forward in terms of, you know, how to handle that as a technical professional, of course. But also, I know we talked about this a little bit. I thought I'd mention it, that you also get involved in some other activities like going to career fairs and engaging with kind of students and younger engineering professionals. I would imagine that that's also a pretty cool part of the job.
1: It's fun to give back and be a part of the recruiting process. I do a lot of classroom conversations with students to talk about what they should be looking for in a career. And it just isn't the job. It's what you're looking for full time over the life of your journey. And I think it's important to really think about all the other aspects besides just focusing on I'm graduating and I want a a real job that pays me something.
0: You have to think about the whole experience for sure. And I think that that is a good, a good message. So let's go right to kind of the good stuff here, what we want to get into, which is your experience managing a team of multidisciplinary professionals. I mean, talk a little bit about, I mean, you mentioned it already that it's not something you necessarily thought you'd get into. And I think all of us as engineers maybe think that when we get in, but what were some of kind of the challenges you faced and how you dealt with them? Take us through just the experience.
1: So I actually started being a team leader right when COVID hit. So that was an interesting... transition not only becoming a new leader but then having to deal with everybody being remote which was a challenge and it's hard to get to know your staff and your coworkers in that environment because we weren't all completely ready to be put into that setting of being virtual so it's really important to you know work individually with staff and get to know them in order to build that trust and relationship and so that was one of the first challenges I had and quickly had to figure out how to work with individuals and then as a team to build that environment. We were a newly kind of created team because I brought in the landscape architecture piece into our group. And so I had been doing more municipal public work type projects, but bringing in landscape architects who come from a different type of education and process and collaboration, I really had to learn how to work with them because their thought process is different than mine, which is okay. But How was I able to connect with them and how was I going to move that forward in order for us to gel as a team? And so that really stretched myself, uh, my own skills, trying to, you know, I really had to come out of my own box and learn what they do and how they process things. I've attended, you know, conference sessions with them and presentations just to help myself understand how we can work together and collaborate. So that was kind of the first real part to bringing our team together. It's starting to solidify more. but you know, as a leader of professionals that all come from different areas in training and, and geography, even, it's important for myself to help ask the right questions, bring them together, you know, help them identify maybe what challenges are out there or what we're doing really well at and how we can help each other learn from those different types of projects and strategies. And it takes a lot of time to not only work together with the team, but individually. Help grow everybody as a full team.
0: That's really the challenge of being a leader is that culture side of it. And I know, you know, sometimes that word gets overused, but really I think Rain did a good job of kind of capturing what that is, which is you have to build relationships between individuals. You have to build relationships between the team. You have to get to know each person on the team so you can kind of facilitate those interactions. And it's a big part of, I think, leadership that really to me is the most important part because if that's not working, it becomes much more difficult for people to actually work together and be successful at work if they don't can't communicate well, can't relate well to one another, which is interesting. And before we dive into that a little bit more, because I, I do want to get into that, but I want to go back to something you said about bringing in the, the landscape architects to the team. So when you took on the team leader role, was it kind of your job to kind of pull the team together or were you just assigned like a, a group of different people that you had to manage? How did the team come together, I guess?
1: Yeah, a little of both, actually. So I had been working with some of the staff that are currently on the team, but then there were also new members that I had to learn to obviously work together with them and get to know them. And so it was a little of both trying to pull different disciplinary areas together, as well as new staff that I really hadn't worked with before. And then um, because of the different work that they do, I really had to figure out how to share my time with each of the groups to make sure that we're strategizing together and that I'm finding and helping their needs. It was a challenge and it still is day by day because as you know, a team grows, we have to deal with all the changes in the world and that continuously happens. So as, as the world and the industry changes, so does a team. And um, as a leader, you really got to keep it together some days because things can fall off the rails really quickly.
0: And the reason that I kind of wanted to ask that question too is because I feel like those are a couple of big challenges in leadership as well. One of them being even just getting to select the team, right? Because then it's up to you to kind of pull the right people together that you think can make it work. But then you may also have people on the team that you don't necessarily have a say. They're on the team. And so that's also something you have to deal with. And like you said earlier, get to relate with them and understand them. And I think it, you know you see this a lot when it comes to athletics, where like a team will perform really poorly. Or, well, I guess, and then they hire a new coach, and everyone's like, oh, a new coach is a great coach, he's going to come in and do great. But that coach is dealing with what was there. Like the coach isn't necessarily bringing players in. Now, a lot of times you'll see a coach kind of bring in assistant coaches that they know and that they're comfortable with their system and stuff, which can help with that. Another one of the reasons why leadership is so difficult is because it's dealing with people. And that kind of leads me into what I want to talk about next, kind of the people skill side of things. And I know. What I also maybe heard you say is that landscape architects and engineers don't think the same, which is not a shocker to me that I'm an engineer. But I think that that's, in any, again, in any team, people think differently, have different perspectives. I think that's what makes teams great. Talk a little bit about what you've seen now in leadership and the importance of people skills in our world of engineering and you know any examples with or how you dealt with the kind of people skills and bringing those together.
1: What I've realized very quickly was being trained as an engineer, I want to jump in and solve the problem right away. And that's not being a good leader. So if there's some challenges with a particular staff member or area of the team, I usually want to jump in and provide them solutions. And that's not what is going to solve the problem in the end. you got to work with the individual or the area of the team to help them figure out what's going to best work for them to solve the problem. And you kind of got to cultivate that. And I think through some additional training that I did not get in school, I really was able to start asking the right questions and pulling that out of the individual so that they can solve their own problems. I I just had a check-in this morning and trying to use those skills. It's so important because I can't help somebody else grow in their career or fix a problem unless they can come up with a solution that they know they can achieve. And then it's really about the leader and how they can support them in that journey to making positive impact and making the right steps forward. Word.
0: This is a really, really important point. And when you were mentioning that, it made me think a little bit about an article I had written on LinkedIn a couple of years ago. Now, where I was just talking about something that happened to me at home. My son's a teenager, and I went outside to mow the lawn. I was trying to like get him out to help me, and he's kind of out there. He's kind of watching me, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm mowing the lawn. I'm thinking to myself, there's still other stuff to be done, trees to be trimmed, etc. So I'm like, you know what? I just got to stop and teach him how to mow the lawn, and just let him do it so that I can go and do other stuff. And Actually, I think my wife, to give her some credit, I think kind of told me like, you know, why is he just standing there? You know, you make him do something type of thing. And I think it's a very good analogy for leadership. And I think to your point, like, right, like we're so comfortable doing it the way we like to do it and getting it done that if we can't like stop ourselves and say, listen, the only way to grow the team and do what I'm really supposed to do is to get other people involved and then support them. And it's a very tricky thing to do, but I think that you kind of said it well is you have to understand what your role now is as the leader which is not the doer anymore. It's more of like making sure everybody is successful in their roles. And that in itself is a job.
1: Yeah, it's a change in values. I mean, I used to, I mean, why did I go to be an engineer? I wanted to solve the problems and be a part of the solution. And now as a leader, I have to change my own values. Like, am I okay with being a leader? What does that entail? And really understanding now this is my new role. This is what I have to give up in order to make that transition to be successful at that new role. And I don't know if necessarily everybody understands that right away. And it took me some time (laughs) and I'm working through it, but it's something that's really important in order for not only yourself to be successful, but everybody on your team, because I'm impacting a lot of other individuals that I want to make sure have the opportunity for their own growth in their career as well.
0: You said it well when you said it's a change of values because you're shifting by essence, like what's important to you in your role now is completely different than what was important to you before. And I think that also is why, and this I think this goes for most engineering organizations out there, whether they be public or private entities, is the whole idea of management versus technical, right? That career road path where not everyone is made out to be a leader in the world of engineering, right? Just because I know a lot of firms will try to push a lot of people towards the management path, but I think the firms that do really well recognize that there will be people that will be technical for their entire career and they try to provide opportunities for them for growth, just like they're providing managers with growth. That's a really important thing. And we have a client and this, I'm talking with their CEO, he said it really well. If you think about it, the management track is really for the few and the technical track is really for the many. Because if you have you know 500 people in a company, you're probably going to have 100 leaders or 150 leaders, not 500 leaders. So we need to remember that and we need to understand that not everyone is made out to be a leader. And if you are, then You're going to change your values a little bit. You're going to shift a little bit and you're going to grow and need to learn new skills. But not everyone on your team is going to be able to do that same thing.
1: And talking to students, I've helped them identify, hopefully when I've spoken to them, that there are these two tracks. And it's important to think about during your career because I think a lot of times somebody young comes out of school and they want to start doing this stuff. And they're like, yeah, I want to be a leader. But do you understand what really being a leader is all about? And that's the part where I challenge some of my staff even asking the questions. Are you prepared for this? Are you prepared for the human side that is the interaction of leadership? Because a lot of times as you're engineering or designing something, that doesn't always come into full play. That's probably something I didn't really recognize at first myself, but now heavily have to in order to be successful at leading a team. It's a constant check in on that day to day.
0: And again, I think it's just in working with people, you just kind of get a feel for someone and say, man, this person, like he or she really has leadership qualities, right? Like you can start to see it in people, not to say that you can't develop them, but there's often people that just have natural leadership abilities. And I think the more you lead and you interact with people, you can start to see that about them, you know? And then like, you can kind of maybe think about where to set your resources in terms of mentoring and guidance and things of that nature, which is beneficial. I know that you're also a board member at MSA. And I want to just understand, you know, what does that mean? What is your role as a board member? How did that evolve? How did that happen? You know, how has it helped you as a leader? You know, what can you tell us about that whole process?
1: That's one of the other exciting pieces that I get to be a part of. I really appreciate it. So I joined the board a few years ago and the part that I love about it is the whole strategic focus behind being on the board. It's, it's where are we going as a company and how we're gonna get there and setting that tone so that leaders can follow it and working with them to help build that plan. I really have appreciated because again, as I mentioned, you know the economy continues to change, the industry continues to change. Our company has to evolve in order to meet those changes to be sustainable and resilient moving through things. And I, I came out of school right when the Great Recession hit. So I know what the lows are. <laughs> <laughs> and it can get lower than that. You hate to say it, but it can. So, how do we prove our, you know, how do we build a plan that provides us resiliency to another time potentially like that? I mean, hopefully we never see that, but you can't, you got to plan for that. And so, being a part of the board and looking forward and seeing where we can grow as a company is pretty exciting. And it's always something that I foresaw with MSA and wanted to be a part of. And I've appreciated that opportunity.
0: For those out there that aren't familiar with what a board might be in a private consulting firm, I would imagine, I would describe it, and you can add to it, please, like a group of leaders in the company that are kind of very focused on like the strategy of the firm or the growth of the, like how would you describe it? Is that accurate or?
1: Correct. You know, yeah. We're setting that strategic focus as to where the next direction might be and, and how many years out. You know, Are we looking three, five, 10, 15, 20 years out and trying to plan for where we need to be at that point when the things change?
0: And just for context, if you don't mind, about how big is MSA in terms of number of employees and about how big is the board?
1: We have about 400 employees and we have nine board members. Six of them are internal MSA employees and three are actually external. So they're past CEOs, COOs of other companies. Some are still working, some are not. And they provide a lot of great context to our company, for our board, because they can give us other realities that have happened to them and experiences that we can relate to or help guide us through situations we're we're working through as well.
0: For you, from a leadership development standpoint, just personally, that being on the board and around those other individuals has probably been helpful for you.
1: Extremely beneficial. I mean, so leading parks and recreation as a new market segment at MSA it has really stretched myself to build that. But then beyond that, we've hired individuals that have national capabilities, uh, which MSA doesn't do a ton of national work, but we are doing it now. And helping to find that focus on where we can grow within that is really exciting and finding that support. And that's been really beneficial to be more strategic focused, not only than all the way down to what I do on a day-to-day basis to grow the team in Parks and Recreation.
0: Let's talk a little bit about work-life balance, which some people think is elusive and maybe it isn't in a lot of times, but I know it can be difficult to achieve, especially when you're a leader working in the industry that we're working in. You know, These are high pressure projects, deadlines. Can you speak to what this looks like for you and how you try to kind of balance your work responsibilities with your personal goals and responsibilities?
1: I always call it, it's not a balance. It's a rhythm that's probably disjointed. (laughs) There are weeks that are going to swing higher towards a lot of work. There are weeks that are going to be a little less and they got more, you know, personal life stuff going on where I got to take my kids to sporting events or doctor's appointments, things like that, or I'm taking time off in itself. But It's finding then between those highs and lows, the balance between the two and that can be challenging and I really have to set boundaries is what I've learned to make sure that I take the time to be home and present with my family because in today's day and age we're connected all the time. The phone is constantly connected, the email it's pinging, your phone is constantly pinging, text messages. And you got to be able to be okay with shutting it off. And that's the part I think a lot of people have to really feel comfortable with is, am I going to be okay? Yes, you're going to be okay with turning it off for a few hours and then you know, really trying to bucketize your time between work and life.
0: I read a great book once. It's called The Five Laws That Determine All of Life's Outcomes by Brett Harward. And actually, we had him at one of our events and I got to meet him and someone asked him the question about work-life balance. And I always go back to his answer, which I think really was a good one. He kind of was in the same lines with you in terms of like, it's not necessarily balance, right? As you think of balance, like his analogy was if you think about a pie, you know, you're never going to have like it cut in half, right? Like, I'm home this many hours a week and I'm at work this many hours a week. It's perfectly cut down the middle. But he said instead, the way to think about it is to look at it in 3D and say, no matter how big the piece of the pie is for like, let's say home life that week, when you're home, you want to be home, kind of like you said, right? You want to be intentional. You want to be around the people, put your phone away, et cetera. And when you're at work, be at work, you know be focused with the people there, be focused on the projects there. And if you're doing that, that can bring a sense of kind of balance to your life because, yes, you have a lot of stuff going on, but when you're in that experience, you're in that experience completely. And, you know, you can kind of be with those people. And I thought that basically the way he said it was like being present and wherever you're at.
1: Yeah, definitely. The other piece that I always, I find important is in that rhythm is finding time for self-care that has really shown a light in the last few years since COVID started that time for yourself is so important. Whether you're reflecting, you got, you're spending time to, for myself, I go cross-country skiing so I can be out in the middle of the woods, just myself, my thoughts, having that calming time Right, but maybe don't have the kids around me and I don't have my phone ringing. It's things like that where you can find your center so that you can be grounded in both areas then and be present at those times.
0: Yeah, and that's really important too. I'm glad you brought that up because I think the idea of self-care and taking care of yourself so that you can be well, you know, physically, mentally is important because like I know for me, I started playing pickleball this year and started doing some stuff just to stay in shape because you could just work yourself to death, quite frankly. Right. And like the problem with that is is that your work quality is going to go down. Like I always tell people if you work more hours, the quality of your work may actually go down. Whereas if you work less hours and you work out and you keep yourself in shape, it can contribute to you being more engaged at work, right? Maybe thinking sharper, doing things better. So I just caution anyone out there that thinks the number of hours, like the more hours, the more higher quality work or the better you're going to do. It's not always the case. It's about using those hours most effectively and keeping yourself in shape so that you can be on the top of your game. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, have gotten that wrong, but I think it's starting to become a little bit more, people are talking about it more and trying to you know, take care of themselves more, hopefully.
1: Absolutely. I'm way more excited now that you mentioned pickleball, though, because with parks and recreation, that seems to be a daily topic on my team.
0: <laughs> pickleball is awesome. I've, I've gotten into it. My son plays with me, and we go a lot. And it's easy, and it's fun, and like you know, you don't have to be a professional in anything to do it. You can pretty much pick it up. I played with someone who was like 90, and I played with like my son who's 13. So it's a real good sport for all ages. Let's talk a little bit about career pathing. I know I mentioned it later. We talked a little bit about the whole idea of technical versus leadership roles. I know I mentioned that, but let's go back to your own experience. When you kind of had to make that decision or like, at what point were you like, I really think that I'm ready to go, or I'd like to go more into management as opposed to technical. Just walk us through your experience with that you know, fork in the road that I think everyone gets to.
1: I can definitely be honest in the fact that when I came out of school, I wanted to be an engineer and do things like that. But I quickly realized that back from childhood, I liked to lead <laughs> I always rounded up all my cousins and made them listen to me, which maybe isn't the best later, but (laughs) it's been brought to my attention multiple times that that was how I was with them. So I recognized pretty quickly in my career that I probably wanted to be a project manager and start leading my own projects. And I I evolved into that very quickly and then realizing that, you know, okay, if I'm doing this, maybe I want to lead my own team. And that's really where the next step was. And then I started asking some of those harder questions, you know, within the area of where I was working as well as within our company. And that's kind of led to, you know, myself evolving into that team leader position as well as being asked to be a part of our board of directors. It's just that forward thinking process made me really want to strive to be in that leadership position to help drive where our company might be going, what we're doing for the type of work and things like that. Not everybody wants to do that, and that's perfectly fine because we need the technical side. And I appreciate it because now, I never really was able to focus in one particular area and technically, and I was such a generalist that I didn't have that particular area to just go down that path. And I knew that's where I wanted to be more on the leadership side and others do. And that's great. And we need them to be part of the team, to really be able to talk to clients and communities and and to lead those projects all the way through. So I think it's a great collaboration. And I think it's great that companies are really starting to recognize those different paths and reward them as people go down those different tracks.
0: I'm seeing a lot more of that too at our clients where there are high level technical roles in consulting firms and in engineering organizations so that you don't have to feel like in order to get paid more money, I just have to go into management even if I don't like it. And that's really important because it's not something you want to do if you're not good at it or it's not something you're interested in because that's just going to cause a lot of problems for a lot of people. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about leadership growth, leadership development. I mean, a lot of times we'll talk to leaders and they'll say, hey, you got to do these things. You got to communicate, you got to delegate, like all the things we've been talking about here. But like for someone who decides, hey, I'm going to go down the leadership track, you know, I got to the fork in the road and that's the way I'm going. How do you actually then grow your leadership skills? Like, How do you become a better leader? How have you been able to, to work on those skill sets?
1: What I reflected upon myself is that I had to understand myself first and what makes me tick and the reasons why. And that was a challenge because I thought, I led my cousins, right? I can lead somebody. I can lead a team. Well, not through dictator style. (laughs) I really had to realize, you know, how do I work with the individuals and the team itself to move us forward and grow and and that was a challenge. So I've attended quite a few training sessions that have dug pretty deep like on my own personality and what makes me tick to make myself understand like these are the triggers I have to bring success and these are the areas I need to grow that will help support the team. And I was weak in like empathy and some of the areas like that because I was pretty solid, you know, as an engineer, we can Solve problems we can keep on doing things and and that's not what it's all about being a leader. You have to understand that everybody has a life, everybody has things impacting their day-to-day job and what's going on inside work and outside of work. So it really made me understand that as a leader, I need to round myself out more in all different areas to work with staff and other leaders in the company to move the company forward as well. And that was a challenge. But through several different training sessions that really helped focus on those areas, helped me build confidence to lead, have improved my skills, and it's a continuous day-to-day adjustment. As new things come up, you have to learn to adapt, and, and you have to be okay with reaching out for help. I think that's one of the biggest things I've realized is that when I hit a solution, I don't maybe need to solve it. I need to maybe bounce it off of some other leaders and ask, hey, how would you help go through this process because I've never done it before? I don't want to make the wrong mistake right off the bat. It's okay to make mistakes, but others have been through these situations before. So it's always good to ask and and seek help if you're in a tricky situation with your team or a project or things like that.
0: Sounds like two actions that anyone could take to develop their leadership skills more. Number one, like you said, you have to learn more about yourself, whether that's through assessments or tools or coaching or however you end up doing it. That seems like step number one so that you can kind of know what direction you need to go. But then also that second step that you talked about, which is understanding if I am this, what do I need to do to build a team that I can work well with, but also ask for help? That's the real second action that I think we all need to make sure we do. As even And this happens a lot. And I know sometimes as a new leader, a new project manager, someone might say, I don't know if I should ask for help because then people are going to think I'm not a competent manager, I'm not a competent leader. And that's something that can happen. And it's something that your manager really needs to put you at ease about, quite frankly, to say, hey, you're a new manager. Congrats. You're a new team leader, whatever the case may be. I'm here to help you. I'm here to mentor you. In fact, we've done some a lot of work with MSA and helping them with their project management development program. And that's one of the things that we've tried to talk to the project managers about is just because you're a new project manager doesn't mean that you know everything. I mean, obviously, number one, that's why you're in the training program. But beyond that, you need to be able to go to an experience, a senior PM or your supervisor that's managed projects and be able to ask them something, especially when something doesn't look right in the situation, right? For example, we talk about all the time how scope creep is such a huge project management pitfall. If something doesn't look right, if someone seems like you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing on a project or the client maybe contacts someone on your team directly and is asking them to do something they shouldn't be, that should be raising a red flag and you need to get help. But I think when we fall into, oh, you know, I can't ask for help because I'm going to look incompetent, then we can have problems. It's easier said than done, but it's important. Well, better to ask the question sooner than have the mistake later to deal with. Exactly. So those are two really good, I think, actions that any leader can take. So you know, learn about yourself. And and one tip I'll give everyone on that is we do that a lot at EMI. We use some different assessments and tools. If your company maybe doesn't have any assessments or tools right now, and you want to do something on your own that's relatively inexpensive, there's a great book, Strength Finders 2.0 by, I don't remember the author right now. It's under the Gallup umbrella. Basically, Strength Finders is an assessment that will tell you your top five strengths and how to leverage them. And it's really interesting when you do it across teams, but you can buy the book on Amazon, which is relatively inexpensive. And with the book, you get access to the simple top five assessment. You can go online, you can take it, then you can learn what your strengths are. And then the book, they explain how to leverage those strengths. And at EMI, we've even done it with everybody here where everyone's taking in and we're going to do some group activities. But the point of this is that I think if you take the action that Rain suggests in terms of learning about yourself, also when you're assembling your team, you can have people that compliment you because if you're someone who's like a really a driver and you know go get this done go get this done you probably don't want to have three or four other drivers on your team it's not going to end well in that situation you're going to want to have some other people that someone that's more expressive someone that's maybe analytical and they think about data and things of that nature and so I actually think that this is a really important aspect of leadership. I don't think it's told to leaders enough when they start their job is to really think about the different work styles and personalities of people on your team so you can kind of make sure that people are meshing. And we've talked about it a few times already today, which I think just goes to show you how important that really is and I'm glad that we're kind of reinforcing it today because the people interaction is just so important to the success of your team. Absolutely. Yeah. Builds up the full team. For sure. So I guess as we kind of wrap up before we get into our hot seat segment here at the end, so how do you maintain kind of a growth mindset and kind of continue to improve your leadership skills and push yourself? Because I'm sure that even as you've been a leader for a while now and it's longer and longer, there can be some, you know, sit back, get busy with everything going on and not think about continuing to develop yourself. So how do you try to keep a focus on that?
1: So I'm constantly trying to do research. You know, it's reading, it's doing research within the areas that we do work in, where the market is at. That's helping me stay in attachment with everybody on the team because as I'll be honest, I grow older, I might be more detached from technology and some other things, especially if I'm not right doing the design. But I have staff that are, and they're very well connected. And I need to be able to relate to them. I need to understand that is there a new process we should be following or doing that we could bring into the team, I need to be able to relate to them. And so constantly pushing myself out of my comfort zone is the number one thing. And trying different things. So, you know, trying different social media platforms that, you know, my team showing me, hey, you can get connected this way. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is social media? (laughs) Things like that, that are important because they all relate to getting me outside of my comfort zone so that when there is the right idea, the right opportunity, I'm not afraid to tackle it. I'm not afraid to find the resources that need to come with it and and build that out. And, And as a leader, I think, again, we're constantly having to deal with change and you have to be comfortable with that. And that's the part that most people are not comfortable with.
0: Knowing your strengths and knowing your weaknesses is important in, in leadership in any field. And I really like the idea, like you said, of doing a full assessment of yourself. Like, you know, where are you at when you take on a new leadership role? What do you need to improve? What are you really good at? And then kind of going from there. I think it's a really good, it's important to kind of baseline yourself, if you will.
1: It's a constant check in. Do that same assessment again, you know, how many years later, even or six months, because you're going to evolve and by strengthening some of the areas, you might lose some of the areas that you might need to check in on again and and bring that back into the fold as to, hey, I'm not focusing on this as much anymore. So it's a constant check in with yourself to make sure that you're finding all your soft spots and focusing on those to really support everybody that you're leading.
0: All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to finish up by putting rain on the civil engineering hot seat. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Before we go on here, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Keller. By connecting global resources and
2: expertise with local knowledge and focus, Keller develops innovative, practical, and cost-effective solutions to geotechnical challenges, including deep foundations, ground improvement, groundwater control, liquefaction mitigation, re-leveling structures, slope stabilization, supportive excavation, underpinning, and instrumentation and monitoring. Keller builds projects designed by others and offers complete design build services for any geotechnical construction application. Keller was founded in 1860 and is the largest geotechnical specialty contractor in the world, with operations in over 40 countries across five continents. With a North American presence of over 100 years, Keller operates as the market leader with over 60 offices throughout the U.S. and Canada, and is the sole source for a complete geotechnical construction solution optimally designed to meet clients' needs. To learn more about Keller, visit our website at www.keller-na.com.
0: We are back with Rain Gardner. Rain is a licensed professional engineer and a team leader at MSA. All right, Randy, are you ready to go on the civil engineering hot seat? Absolutely. So first question, do you have any specific rituals that you practice every day? Maybe it's a morning routine or a lunchtime routine or just something that you do consistently that contributes to your success?
1: Mornings are my jam. It's how I say it to everybody on my team. It's my time to focus. I get up before my kids, my husband, and I sit there and I'm able to collect my thoughts for the day, whether it's personally get the things I need done written down and then as well as at work and getting that organized so that I know what I need to accomplish day by day. And that just makes me feel more at rest throughout the whole day and calm so that I can accomplish things. And and that's just really important. Just starts my day on the right path.
0: Now, in terms of, it doesn't have to be leadership related, but a lot of times when we go through our careers, there might be either a book or an author or a course or something that experience, a learning and development experience that stuck with us, that we've continued to use or that we've leaned on a framework, something. Is there anything for you like that that's been very beneficial for you that you've kind of that's stuck with you?
1: I recently went through a course that we offered here at MSA internally called Crucial Conversations. And that was really a great course because it helps you get through some situations that can be really challenging, whether they're project related or individually with employees. And and just it's really helped me ask questions more than, again, trying to solve the problems. And I think that was really important because a lot of times we can find ourselves to be conflict adverse and conflicts. okay, but we got to talk through it and find the solution. And that particular processing course taught me a lot of things to really just question things and and dig in to situations to hopefully find the solution. And then, you know, it's helped me move forward with a lot of staff and keep them, you know, happy and in their career path.
0: And that's what I love about learning and development, because if there's a takeaway like that for someone, it can really have a major impact on the rest of their career, their life, the people around them. And that's why finding something like that could be very beneficial. Thinking back on some of your managers, reign, and you don't have to name any names, but if you think about like your favorite manager or managers, what was it that made them your favorite? We're trying to understand like what are some of the characteristics of really good managers kind of in the AE field?
1: I really have always appreciated someone that's honest who can tell me the truth. So again, if I need some constructive criticism or something's happening, I I want them to be able to talk to me and tell me, hey, this isn't going well, or this is going great. You know, sharing feedback is really important. Someone that can always joke about things day to day, because this is a journey. It's many, many years that are going to be in the books by the time we're done. And, And somebody that you can work side by side with that can joke about situations, good and bad, has always been a positive. And that has always kept my head up. When situations get hard, as well as as even things that are going well, and I think that's important because laughter is a great cure to a lot of situations.
0: (laughs) I really like what you said there about being honest. I think people want to be told. A lot of people just want to hear the truth. You know, if I'm doing something right, great. If I'm doing something wrong, great. But you know, at least it's going to help that person grow if you're telling them the truth because that's how they're going to be able to learn. Like you said earlier, what their weaknesses and strengths are and how to develop them further. That's important. All right. So I've got one final question for you. We call it the civil engineering career elevator advice question. If you got into an elevator with a civil engineer, let's say they're earlier in their career and you had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her, what career advice would you give them in that short period of time?
1: And my favorite thing to support other young civil engineers is never say no to an opportunity, because you never know where your career might go based on that. I never thought I'd be working in parks and recreation. If I would have said no, I would have not been able to grow this whole market segment and do the cool projects where we're working across the country. I did a lot of projects that I know I definitely don't want to do again. as well as part of that process but you know it helps you find where you are going to be happy in a career and my husband did the same thing and he never said no to something and and he's doing something too he never was trained in and i think that's what's really important is take the time to try different things in your career don't say no to certain opportunities that might come in front of you but you can easily pivot after you kind of try it out and see is it something i want to continue to look at or or no this is clearly not what i want to be focusing in
0: that's a, just a really good life and career lesson is understanding that you want to have flexibility. And if you try something, you can pivot to something else like Rain said, if you don't like it, but if you never try it, you're not going to know. And I think if you get into a position where you're going to be there forever and you know there may be limited growth opportunities, whereas if you get into a position and someone says, hey, something else opened up, yeah, you could just stay in the same spot if you wanted to, because it's easier and you know it's probably within your comfort zone. But why not try out something different? Could be something more exciting, could be something that you find that you like even more. And if not, you kind of go back. And I think that's sometimes what people fear, obviously, is you're losing out on something and you might not get it back. But if there's anything I know about this industry, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for a long time. So taking them and trying things out can be very beneficial. So, Rain, thank you so much. You gave us a lot of time today and you shared a lot of your kind of what you've learned about leadership so far. And we really appreciate the time that you spent with us. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you again for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Rain. She is a, really a young leader in the field, and she shared with you strategies for how she's improving her leadership skills, and I hope you do the same. Please remember, you can find the show notes at civilengineeringpodcast.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the other resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. dot org